responsibility and then you ask God to bless his word 
Because uh, we have to have some folks visiting with us. Uh, this is um, Ryan and his wife, Abby. They are friends of Kristen. And uh, I think Kristen and Abby were in school together in college. And uh, this stranger came along late. <laughs> so it's good to meet them. Amen. All right. Uh, let's take a Bible to the book of Psalm, chapter 23. Psalm 23. I've been going through the book of Psalms. And honestly, I am picking and choosing uh, it's very difficult to go through the Psalms from 1 through chapter 50. It's going to be real difficult, so I've chosen to just pick uh, my favorite Psalms, and hopefully there'll be something of a blessing to you. So Psalm 23. This chapter has been taught on, preached on, who knows how many times. It's a great Psalm. It's a good Psalm that people often refer to at funerals. It's a very comforting Psalm. It's a very encouraging Psalm. Psalm 23. Uh, it was written by David. For a specific reason at a specific time it was not written to you and to me obviously but because it's the Bible it's a spiritual book and because it's a spiritual book it can have it has applications for us today as well devotional material is always found in the Bible besides the history the doctrinal and so on the theology is there but also you have some devotional material for everyone in any generation and so today I like to treat this one like this where uh, let's find some people in this psalm that are regular people, that are people that we're familiar with, and perhaps it was familiar with people in days gone by as well. And so David wrote this perhaps as a younger man, look at verse number one, perhaps as a younger man, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. As a younger man, maybe David wrote this because as a young man growing up, learning to walk with the Lord, he was able to see God walking with him and guiding him. And then um, perhaps he wrote this um, as an older man as an older man look at verse number 3 <clears throat> he restoreth my soul he did me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake uh, he restores my soul uh, post Bathsheba uh, post death of a baby uh, God has restored his soul perhaps he could have written this after uh, his youth has passed maybe because he's an older man look at verse number 4 Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me, thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Perhaps wrote this as an older man because he's facing now the inevitable as he comes to the time of all flesh in which he will pass off the scene. And so, verse number six, Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. So I, I suggest that perhaps he wrote this as an older man because of these verses. And as he thinks about going home, technically to Abraham's bosom, for us, heaven, and uh, he's thinking about the eternal state of himself. And so we see different things about why uh, or, or uh, when he wrote this. Nobody really knows, actually. Whatever I've checked out and read, uh, everybody has a different opinion about when he wrote this. Okay, that being so, let's just take a devotional treatment of this psalm and look at some people you find in this psalm and how God met their needs, all right? Look at Psalm chapter 23, verse number one. 23, verse number one. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. All right, the Lord is my shepherd. Uh, sheep, sheep need something. Sheep need something. This is my type of sheep. Sheep need something. 
They need to follow. All right, sheep need to follow. A flock needs to follow. And the first person I find, perhaps symbolically or representative in this chapter, people that we are familiar with or know about from the Bible and in life, sheep need leadership. Real sheep need leadership. Real sheep need to follow. Real sheep do not lead. They follow. And so the Lord is my shepherd. Uh, the Lord is the one who guides the sheep. And if you look in the Bible, you find many references about how sheep typifies people. Specifically, sheep typify Israel, the people of God. Look at Psalm chapter 78. Psalm 78. If you beat me there, you can read it. But I'll beat you there because I haven't uh, got a post that's just stuck right here. Okay, Psalm 78 and verse number 52. Sheep typify people, specifically it typifies Jews. Psalm 78, verse number 52. But made his own people to go forth like sheep and guided them in the wilderness like a flock. And he led them on safely so that they feared not, but the sea overwhelmed their enemies. And he brought them to the border of his sanctuary, even to his mountain, which his right hand had purchased. The chapter is about how God delivered them from Israeli, uh, from, uh, from Hebrew, uh, what am I saying? Egyptian bondage. Yeah, thinking too fast, mouth cannot catch up. But uh, from bondage and going through the Red Sea and that great miracle, and he led them forth like sheep. And so very obviously, we, saw, we find that, um, he led them as sheep, as a shepherded sheep. How did he lead them by day in the wilderness? A cloud. How did he lead them by night? A pillar of fire. So sheep are to follow, and the shepherd is there to give leadership to the sheep. Also, there's another group of people that are like sheep. You have Israel's like sheep. The next group of people that are like sheep are... Take a guess. Christian people. Christian people. What would be another word for Christian people? Save people. What's another word for save people? Another word for born again is? Redeem. Okay, corporately. Corporately. It's a church. All right, look at, uh, look at John chapter 21. John 21. John 21, and come to verse number 16. The famous encounter with Peter. This is post-resurrection. And you remember how Peter denied the Lord three times? In John 21, in verse number 16, the Lord confronts Peter. Verse number 16. Now back to verse 15. So when they had dined, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me more than these? More than what? Lovest thou me more than these? What's the comparison here? More than what? What have they dined on? They were eating fish. It was probably not raw fish. It was probably not sashimi. It was grilled fish over a fire. And so this is why you folk who eat 
raw fish, you are unbiblical. <laughs> Simon, lovest thou me more than these, more than the fish? Verse uh, number 15, he saith unto them, Yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. He saith unto him, between the lines, all right, Peter, prove it to me. If you love me, feed my lambs. Verse 16, he saith to him again a second time, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? He saith unto him, second time Peter said this, Yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. Read it between the lines. I love you more than I love these fish. I'm a professional fisherman. This is my livelihood. This is my, this is my trade. I love doing it, by the way. And he says, but Lord, I love you more than I love fishing. That's quite a statement. He saith unto him, all right, Peter, if you love me that much, like you say you do, if you believe, if you believe what you're saying, if you hear what you're saying, and you really believe that, he says, feed my sheep. Uh, verse 17. He saith unto him the third time, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? Peter was grieved because he saith unto him the third time, Lord, I've told you twice already. Don't you, don't you get it, Lord? I mean, sorry, Lord, I didn't mean to rebuke you, Lord, but, but don't you, didn't you hear what I said twice already? The Lord just wanted him to know uh, for him to understand and to really say and hear what he's saying from his heart that he really does love him. Lovest thou me? And he saith unto him, Lord, thou knowest all things. Thou knowest that I love thee. Jesus saith unto him, feed my sheep. All right, so what do you have here? You have people who are compared to be like sheep. The church is compared to be like sheep. So the Jew is compared to be like sheep. And now the church in the New Testament is compared to be like sheep. Well, they both are not the same. They're both different entities. There's the Jew, the Jew Israel. They have specific promises. And then, of course, the church, the Christian, has specific promises. And so now, the church, saved people, born-again people, these people, the body of Christ, they're likely to be sheep too. So sheep, we need to be led as well. We need to be led as well. Sheep need to be led, and we need to be led as well. Uh, all people, in a general usage, then number three, all people in a general usage are like sheep. Look at John chapter 10. John chapter 10. Sheep are references to Israel, to the church, and all people in general. John 10 John chapter 10, verse number 11. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd does something. The good shepherd giveth. The good shepherd giveth something that's very dear and precious to him. He has only one thing to give, and he gave this one thing because he's the good shepherd. He giveth his life. Jesus had one life, like we have one life, and he gave his life, his only life, for the sheep. Who are the sheep? Well, the sheep we identified as Israel, the church, but overall, we can say honestly, and in the Bible's context, the sheep are all people, the whole world, everyone, no matter what your ethnicity, the Lord came to give his life for us, Jew and Gentile, the sheep. So that's what the sheep are. And all sheep, back to Psalm chapter 23, all sheep need leadership. All sheep need to be led. And sheep have a tendency to go astray. They do, don't they? If there's a sign that says this way, you know what sheep will do? They go that way. Or they'll go that way. Or they'll merge and detour they will not follow they tend to go where they want to go Isaiah 53 tells us this all we like sheep 
have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And that's what we do in our nature. If you're not careful, if you're not careful, you will find yourself, instead of staying on the right path, on the quote, straight and narrow way, you get back onto the broad way because that's our tendency as fallen sinful creatures. We tend to stray unless we are led. The Lord wants to lead, we need to follow. All right, so the first group of people we see here is that the sheep represents people and sheep need to be led. Now I'll tell you a secret. Okay, let's, let's listen carefully. I'm gonna huddle with you like a football quarterback. We're gonna huddle with the team. I'll tell you a secret. Are you ready for this secret? Are you ready? Now the quarterback has to tell his players, come here, stop talking, stop chewing gum. Stop talking about your end, watching the game or your cousin. Listen to me. He needs their attention. So the quarterback is saying to the team, listen, I have a secret. You're dumb. You tend to go astray. You need to follow the game plan. You need to follow the play called by the coach on the sidelines. Here's the play. Da, 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 da. Got it? Got it. Ready? Great. So he said, oh, sorry, I forgot to tell you. Come back. They come back again. What's, what's up, quarterback? I forgot to tell you this. You need to be led. You need to be led. And our leader is good. Our leader is good. Follow what he says. It's going to be okay. The game is won, but just follow his leadership. And so now we go to the scrimmage line and we run the play. All that is to explain that sheep, we find in this chapter, devotionally, sheep, people, need to be led. Need to be led. The Lord is my shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. I better follow him. How many of you can say honestly, without an upraised hand, that when you have led, been led by your own heart, you've made mistakes? Amen. Okay. A couple honest people in church. How many of you can honestly say, when you have submitted your will to God's will and let Him lead you, you've always found something better than your own way? Very true. Very true. Uh, let me let me pause here and give you a couple of personal examples. This is not in my notes. This just came to my head. Every once in a while, a bird flies by. I have to grab the bird. <laughs> and so, um, well, I've been married 45 years, but before we were married, I was going to marry somebody else because I was following what I wanted to follow. I was following my own emotions, my own feelings, and so I was after someone my age. You know that my wife is younger than me. Uh, she's also smarter than me. <laughs> she's also prettier than me. She's also much, much better than many things than I am. She doesn't think that she is, but she really is. And she has a tendency to make herself feel smaller than she really is. And so every once in a while I get into a little argument with her. I say, don't, don't cut yourself down. Don't make yourself too small because you're not. But anyway, that's just her humility coming out. And so, but I almost married the wrong girl because I was being led by pressure. A pastor's wife was pressuring me to get married. Can you believe this? A pastor's wife. Can't so can. Um, Marine so-and-so is getting married. When are you getting married? Oh, she meant nothing by it. She was just not very thoughtful. And then another Marine gets married to this girl. Uh, that's a good thing, you're married to a girl. And then, um, and then, uh, and then 
I get to be the best man. I get to be, you know, something. But and so the pastor comes to me very honestly. So, so Cam, when are you getting married? Oh, how did I feel about that? Not too great. Did I feel like I appreciated it? Not at all. And so it made me feel like I better find me a girlfriend quick, which is the wrong thing to think about. And so anyway, um, church secretary stepped up with her daughter from California, and oh boy. Oh boy, that didn't work good. Never got very far with that one, thankfully. And then, uh, see, I, and then I finally I had to be, I had to give up what I wanted and let God lead me to what He knew I really needed and wanted to. And lo and behold, one day, standing in church like this, her back to me was a girl. And I was walking around where, you know, how churches shake hands and things like that. And I, 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 I said, Who is that? I said to myself, who is that? I never saw her before. And then she turned around, and you know who it was? It was her. So for three years, I was trying to trying to be led by my own heart, and I had totally ignored her for three years, but then after three years, I looked at her, I said, wow. <laughs> and so that began, that began uh, something good. That has been 45 40 years ago, 46 years ago, 47 years ago. Total time is like a long time, but the thing is, God's way, being led by Him, submitting to that, is more better than you wanting to get your will. Don't force it. All right, so sheep need to be led. Number two, a second group of people is in verse number two. Here's a second group of people you find in the book of Psalms, uh, chapter 23. He made me to lie down in green pastures. There's another group of people I can see that is found in this chapter. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. And that would be somebody who needs to rest. Somebody who is tired of traveling. Someone who is worn out from being on the road. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. This is about somebody who has been on a trek. Carlton has two friends that have been trekking through Italy, staying at um, uh, overnight places and walking and you know doing things like that for the last month. And uh, he was about to go. He says, "No, just send me your pictures. <laughs> I, I need to have you know." He's like me. He needs hot running water and hot food. And uh, the comforts of AC and things like that in a car. And so uh, he said, no, let me know about it later on. And so that's the second time these friends of his have gone on a trek. And so they get very weird. They get very tired. And so this second group of people in verse number two, he makes me down in green pastures, are for people who have been on the road. People who are traveling. People who need rest after being on the road for a long time. Uh, I'll tell you this quick story. It's a personal story. I was driving my car in through Tennessee one year, many years ago, before I got married, or was it after I got married? I don't remember. I was, I was when you're young, you think Superman. Yes. When you're young, you think you never get tired. You think you never need food. You think you never need rest when you're young. You think you are bulletproof when you're young. That's how we think generally as young people, mostly men. Men who are young, uh, a little bit healthy, we do all kind of dangerous things because we think we can handle anything that comes our way. People in the military, especially Marines, they think they are bulletproof. They think they can do anything without getting hurt. Of course, 
uh, Air Force people are smarter. They stay behind a desk and a chair, and uh, you know they push buttons or type a keyboard, and they make things explode back way over here. They fly the drones and things, so a little bit different kind of thing, but still serving our country. Did I just make an enemy here? <laughs> and so uh, Marines are the ones that go on the ground first, and uh, but the attitude because the training makes them feel like they are invincible. They have a confidence that's built into them. They can conquer anything. They can do anything. Climb the highest mountains, swim the deepest sea. Nothing is stopping them. Wrestle with alligators and bulk constrictors at the same time. <laughs> Lion comes, gorilla comes, just, you know, fend them all. That's how the attitude is. And in a way, that's a good thing. But young men need to have sleep, they need to have rest. So I was driving down Interstate 75, Knoxville, Chattanooga, around there. I'm driving on, I come from North Carolina, going through Asheville, I 40, going through the mountains like that. Very beautiful, but very dangerous when you're sleepy. And you know how it is, man, when you are driving, you're tired, you, you, you doze off maybe for a split second, and it seems like two or three seconds. Have you ever had that experience? Mm -hmm. Driving on the road, you just gotta get there, you just can't stop, you can't afford to stop, you gotta keep on moving, you push, you push, you keep on driving. And I was driving one day, all, all morning, all night, all morning. I don't know where I was coming from. I think I was going toward Chattanooga from Asheville North through there. Anyway, coming through, it's a long drive and it's three o'clock, four o'clock, five o'clock and the sun's coming up and I'm, I'm tired. Now, I don't have any sense at all. I'm pretty numb up here. Numb from being tired and numb from being young. <laughs> I'm driving, I can get there, I can get there. I'm gonna set a record there. And I was so tired, I was leaving. So I did something that I never have done since. I put off on the side of the road on the shoulder on Interstate 75, heading toward Chattanooga. Now it's about rush hour. You know, mainly big trucks moving back and forth and the, the road shakes just though. When they pass you, you feel the vibrations and, the, and everything. And so I pull on the side. I'm about this far from the road in the right lane and I'm parked up here on the side. I was so tired, just turned the car and just fell asleep. Next thing I know, there's a knock on my windshield. And I finally wake up, I look up here, it's a high patrolman. He says, I roll up my window. He says, what are you doing here? I said, oh, uh, I was sleeping, so I pulled up on the side so I can get some rest. Because it's not safe to drive like that when you're exhausted. He said, hey, listen. He didn't call me dummy. <laughs> but he said, hey, listen. Drive down another mile or two, there's a rest stop. There's a rest stop. You need to go over there. It's not safe being over here. I said, thank you, officer. And so he goes back to his car. He watched me take off. I pull out, go to the rest stop, and I take a nap for an hour or two. You know what I needed? I needed rest. You know what the Bible says, sir? He made me to lie down in green pastures. For the weary pilgrim, for the weary traveler, for the weary saint of God, he needs to rest. And God gives him spiritual rest, and he gives him physical rest. And so that's what you find. This is the kind of person you find, a traveler who needs rest. Rest for the body. Rest for the body. Verse 2. He make me to lie down in green pastures. And so we need rest. We need rest. But there's another kind of rest that you can get to, and that's spiritual rest. And that's coming up here in the next verse or two. And so the traveler. Then you have verse number 3. The distressed person that needs rest. Verse number 3. He restoreth my soul. In verse 2, the traveler that's really worn out, he needs physical rest. In verse 3, another person, perhaps the same one, he needs spiritual rest. And so the Lord, the shepherd, the good shepherd, restores his soul. You do remember that you're, you're a, 
my triune being. I'm looking at one part of you, the body. I cannot see your soul and I cannot see your spirit. Somebody says that through the eyes, you're looking at somebody's soul. Maybe. One thing's for sure, you're not just physical, you are spiritual. You have a soul and a spirit. And the soul needs rest as well as your body, it needs rest. You need both. You cannot be out of balance and just get rest of the body, not get rest of the little. Now, the spiritual is affected by the physical, that's for sure. It all works together. But the Lord, the Good Shepherd, gives the person rest physically and he gives them rest spiritually. He restores my soul. All right, so that's a good thing, isn't it? Now, come to Matthew chapter 11. Here's a good verse to connect us to Psalm 23. Matthew chapter 11. I think this is a familiar verse to you. Matthew 11. Verse 28. Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest unto your souls. So you have both kinds of rest. Now what do you need from the Good Shepherd? You need both. You need both. And uh, sometimes, sometimes very practically, if you're worn out, you don't feel very spiritual. If you're working long hours, or not had any physical rest, not anything to eat, what's that do to a man? What's that do to a person? Are you happy? Are you grumpy? Are you grouchy? Are you content? Well, we know what happens to you when you don't have your... I don't happen to you when I go long and it's past your lunchtime. You sit there, you do this. <laughs> and then you pretend that, you, you pretend that you're, uh, you know, not look, noticing your watch or your phone, but you know, you, you're doing this. You have your phone in your Bible, you know, turn, turn to, and you turn to your phone. You're thinking, okay, uh, Google Maps, uh, what restaurants are close by? <laughs> you know, when you get hungry, you get hungry. And if that is a need that you have and you don't fulfill that need, it's really hard to focus and concentrate on spiritual things. That's just the way we are as humans. Now, I'm not saying, I'm not saying that um, you, you ditch the spiritual to get the physical, but sometimes you have to defer the food so you can continue getting the spiritual but you gotta have the physical as well as the spiritual. You need both. Ladies and gentlemen, you cannot just feed your face and not feed your soul. You cannot just spend time preparing food or shopping, preparing and cooking it and then sitting down to eat it. That might take you an hour and a half, but uh, not spend any time of equal time, spending time to feed your soul. And so that may not be an exact equation, hour and a half preparing, eating, hour and that may not be a, a, a fair equation. That's not really what I mean. But do spend time here as much as you spend time here. That's what I do mean. Do not neglect, do not neglect this to take care of this. Okay? You got to have both done. And so the Lord, the Good Shepherd, He takes care of the travelers needing rest. He takes care of a traveler who is distressed needing restoration. He takes care of that. So a, a time of prayer, a time in the Word. Sometimes a good book, sometimes a good thought, a good devotion, sometimes just lifts your soul. My wife was telling me just the other day something that was so good, I forgot what it is now, but uh, it was good at the moment. <laughs> and it made so much sense, it was really relieving and comforting and strengthening and all that. And that's like how the Lord 
is the good shepherd who restored your soul. Could you use some spiritual restoration? Could you use some spiritual encouragement? We all do. So make time to go through the process of getting spiritual restoration from the good shepherd. A little Bible time, a little prayer time, a little, you know, those kind of things. Now, I like to look at um, football highlights on YouTube on Sunday evenings because it's get to the important parts. That's it. And so um, uh, make it a habit. Well, I should make a habit too of spiritual things, shouldn't I? You should as well. I will tell you this. I will tell you this. Get good habits in place. Maintain them. And you'll be very glad that you did those things. Fight, fight off laziness. Fight off status quo. Fight off being normal. Determined to be better than normal as a Christian. Make up your mind that you make the effort to feed not just your body, but your soul. Okay? Now, honey, pretend I'm not talking about you. But every morning, she does her Bible study at the kitchen table or on her favorite chair in the living room every morning. Sometimes she'll say, uh, you know, uh, I need to. And then I say, what about this? What about that? She says, well, let me take care of this first. Now, that irritates me only because of the personality where, you know, you want to get something done there, like that. But she wants to she wants to be the Mary and not the Martha. You understand that imagery there? She doesn't want to be the one that's busy, busy, busy and neglect the spiritual. And so that is to say, uh, that, don't listen. That is to say, she's putting she's putting the priorities there and having balance there. Let's move on to the next thing. Go back to Psalm 23. Psalm 23. In verse number four, verse number four, another person we find in the Psalms, chapter 23, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. All right, so we meet another person, generically, someone who has a lot of fear in her life. A lot of fear. Fearful person that needs comfort and encouragement. The Good Shepherd provides that for that person. There are many kinds of fears in this life. Can you think of some? Many kinds of fears. And they're real to a lot of people. There are some fears that are unreasonable. There are some fears potentially they are true. It could happen. Uh, sometimes people have uh, phobias. Um, sometimes they have anxiety disorders. I don't make fun of these things because uh, our daughter, uh, she told us when she was a teenager, I have anxiety attacks. And I, my first reaction was, no, not you. You're a pastor's daughter. You cannot have anxiety attacks. That's not possible. That's the first reaction. But then later on, you, you calm down. You realize, you know what? She is human. She is human. And she has feelings. And she has things. And so that she do. And uh, so she had to work through that. She says that when the sun goes down, she feels a little bit funny, you know. Well, I never had that feeling before. When the sun goes down, I'm thinking, okay, getting dark. Can't play outside. So I've never had some of the things that people fear with me. I fear some things, but not most things that people fear. I have no fear of flying. Um, uh, what do I fear? A lot of people have a fear of flying. Some people have a fear of public speaking. Some people have a fear of being around people. Some people have a fear to see these are phobias that people have, and they're real to them. Uh, let me give you a list here without... Uh, being light about it. Uh, some people have 
fears, and some of them are excessive. Um, fear of darkness, heights, fear of flying, fear of pain, fear of crowds, fear of being touched, fear of peanut butter. Fear of peanut butter. Fear of spiders. I can see that one. Fear of being imperfect or perceived to be imperfect. Fear of failure. Fear of being alone. Fear of bacteria. Fear of mirrors. Fear of spending money. That's a Chinese man for you. Fear of spending money. Fear of making a decision. Fear of dentist. That's real. Fear of speaking in public, fear of dirt, fear of, fear of germs. Um, uh, here's one that I don't think is real, but fear of vacuum cleaners. Well, I don't know what scientists and shrinks say, but uh, they say some people are like that. They have these kind of fears and phobias. I don't know. Maybe they're real to some people. Maybe there's something going on. I don't know, but I'm not going to try to guess it out. But I know one thing. For God not giving us a spirit of fear... But a pardon of love and of a sound mind. I know that verse from 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7. And even though you have fears, you can work through them with God's help. Even though your fears are real, even if they are legitimate, you can still work things out and work through them with God's help. Uh, nobody here is perfect. Nobody here is above certain things. We all have our different kinds of temptations and troubles and things we work through because we're in this fallen world. We're still fallen. And yet, with God's help, we can work through some things. Uh, if you have a, a fear of, or whatever, if you're in this list here, uh, the Lord is there to help you with your fears. He's a good shepherd. All right, let's look at another person we meet here. In verse number five. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. The clue as to who it was referring to is in the word enemies. Now, who has enemies? Who has enemies? Us. Us? Okay. The Christian has enemies. The world, the flesh, and the devil. But in, in, a, in a world with dictators and tyrants in a world of people who want to have a sovereign free country what do you have you must have an army you must have you must have armament you must have people to defend your country and so i think verse 5 thou prepares the table before me in the presence of my enemies enemies gives me the thought that it's about someone who's like a soldier who needs who needs strength and uh, in the presence of my enemies he provides a table for me and of all people, of all people, uh, a man of war, a man of war is to realize that he needs to be trained. He needs to depend on his training for his defense of his person, his unit, and his country. But he also needs to remember that God is the one who really defends him. In Psalm chapter 20, verse number 7, it says, Some trust in chariots and some in horses, but we will remember the name of the Lord our God. So soldiers need strength, and God provides strength to them. Sometimes, if you read war stories, World War II and other kinds of wars, you read about if it's a personal thing, and somehow someone writes about the individual soldier in a foxhole, and you get to understand what he's feeling. It's one thing to say that the battle of so-and-so, so many people died, and there was a victory here. 
it's one thing, but it's another thing to read about the personal, the personal life of that soldier. Uh, I read something about the B-24 bomber. No, well, it was kind of long ago. When I said not long ago, it's about two or three years ago. <laughs> not long ago. And it's about how they experienced flying over Germany, and they were shot at with anti-aircraft uh, guns. It's called AK-AK, and the shells go up, and they explode by by the elevation, by the altitude, and it explodes by a certain altitude. They figure out, okay, these bombs are at a certain altitude, and these things are geared to blow up at a certain altitude, and so that metal that explodes, you don't have to have a direct hit to cause damage. The metal that explodes, the shrapnel, it rips apart the B-24s or any other bomber. It's deadly. And one B-24, it talked about and described very graphically how shrapnel exploded around the ship, and uh, the navigator got hit in the neck, in the juggler vein, and then the co-pilot get hit, glass through the glass, the windshield and everything, and the tail gunner and everything, and the bombardier. Oh, it was horrible. And it talked about what the men were saying to each other, how the captain tried to save his crew, and what they had to do. It's just, you, you, you're never in that situation. And we learned from, you know, reading about what it was like. And so a man in warfare can really fear the enemy. And fear dying. And so soldiers that need strength. In the presence of my enemy, he prepares a table. And so God is the one who can protect, ultimately protect. Have you read stories about George Washington, General George Washington, how he was shot at often at a particular battle, and yet he stood, he sat in his horse unhurt. And later on, I shot at him point blank, and he didn't fall. How do you account for that? Well, if you're an atheist, you say, well, just one of those things. If you're a Christian, you say, well, God's sovereignly protecting him. And so that's what I think about as well. And so the soldier needs strength. He prepares a table for me. In college football, uh, every college football school, um, they have what is called a training table. It's not what it appears to sound like. The training table is the dinner table for the football players. The University of Hawaii had a horrible training table at one period of time, and I think it was Coach June Jones who insisted on improving the training table, invest more money, catering food so that our players can get nourishment uh, from training and muscle tearing down and weights and football contact and everything. We need to get good food, good fruits, good veggies, and good meat, good beef, good protein, whatever they needed to have for the training table. And so they built up, put money, invested in the training table. You know what the Bible says here? He prepares a table in the presence of my enemy. He strengthens us in the fight. Gives us strength in the fight. The Lord is my shepherd. He provides these things for these people. Then there's another one, verse number five. Verse number five. Thou prepares a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil. My cup runneth over. Uh, perhaps this is the priest that needs to be anointed. The minister that needs to be anointed. And he does that for him as well. And then verse number six, let me hurry finish up. Verse number six, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. That is a good verse right there by itself. You, you, you get saved, you follow the Lord, you walk with him. You have these twins following you, goodness and mercy. Yeah. Better than cursings and destruction. You don't want that one. Uh, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. In verse number six, another person we see in this chapter is the pilgrim ready to go home. Ready to go home. 
the weary pilgrim's journey is over. He's going to come to his reward. And he shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Amen. The counterpart verse is 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. Let's take a look at that one. And then we'll wrap this up. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. The psalmist says, I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And then in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse number 17, and of that chapter, it says this. He's talking about the rapture when the Lord comes back. And in verse number 17, well, verse number 16, I'm reading to back up to verse number 13. Let me get some context here. Verse 13, but I would not have you to be ignorant brethren concerning them which are asleep, that you sorrow not, even as others which have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. Now the sleeping here is reference to death, not reference to soul sleep. Verse 15, For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep. Verse 16, For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ, those are those that slept, uh, slept or are asleep, shall rise first, verse 17, then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and here it comes, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Isn't that a great verse? Psalm 23, 6, And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And so the weary saint, the weary pilgrim, finally goes home, and he is going to his so-called reward. And so those are some of the people you find in Psalm chapter 23. And you might want to look at the psalm yourself and find some other people there. And there could be some others in this psalm. It's a spiritual book. It has devotional material for any generation, for any time in human history. And so that's what you can see there about these people. So he's a good shepherd. Just follow him and your life is good. Trials, yes. But is he going to be with you? Absolutely. Everything go right? No. But everything's going to be all right. Okay? So don't be distressed when your car needs to be fixed or when your house has a failure, a roof leak. Don't be distressed when uh, weeds overtake your garden. Don't be so upset that you lose your, your joy of the Lord when you uh, don't have things go your way. Things will never really go your way all the time. But the Lord is with me. Just follow him. Just follow him. Just follow him. It's going to be okay. Just follow him. Now, I have a theme for the new year. It's in my head. I will tell you what it is next week. Maybe. But it's from the Psalms. It's from the Psalms. And I think it would be good for our church to have a theme to rally around and to, to hang on to, to grab on to for the coming new year. And um, I think you will find it to be um, good for us. And I think it's going to be a challenge for us. We need to be challenged. We need to be pushed. We cannot, we cannot be content to just be, okay? Now, time to rest, time to get a little bit more, use that's the Lord, that's always good, okay? 
All right, let's take a short break. We'll come back at uh, 22. We'll come back in about 15 minutes. Men will have prayer here. They just have prayer over here.